President Biden had a tweet about shrinkflation, and he blamed this on the employers, on greedflation, and then the just rich folks trying to you know, basically get more profits. But that's not the case, right? The shrinkflation is a direct result of the failed policies out of D.C. from Biden, Congress, and the Fed. When you've got so much money sloshing around chasing too few goods, this is what you get. Hello, welcome again to this week's economy. I'm your host, Dr. Vance Gann. I hope you're having a prosperous day. Well, today, again, we've got a lot to go through. There's been a lot of news in the economic front, some stuff in Texas, and some other issues that I've been doing. So I want to share this all with you as quick as possible. Remember, you can find all the show notes at vancegann.substack.com. So please go there, subscribe, get a paid subscription for just $50 for a full year, and you can get all the information that's above and below the paywall. You don't want to miss it. Okay, so let's start off with national news. The CPI inflation report came out this week by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And imagine this, it was hotter than expected. There's been a lot of talk about how there's been disinflation or lower rates of inflation over the last year. And it's been continuing to come down for a while. Not deflation, not negative or declining prices, uh, that basket of prices, but just slower growth. And what we saw is that that growth rate started to pick back up, which is one thing that I've been talking about, given that the size of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet continues to be too high. And so we've seen a CPI inflation increase year over year by 3.1%, up from 3% to 3.1%. If you exclude the volatile food and energy, which we all buy, but those are more volatile, the increase was 3.9%. That's about twice as much of what the Federal Reserve would like for that rate to be of about 2% instead of 3.9%. Now, of course, they look at personal consumption expenditures, which is another measure of inflation as their best measure to look at. But CPI inflation also gives us a clear picture of this. You'll also note that President Biden had a tweet about shrinkflation, and he blamed this on the employers, on greedflation, and then the just rich folks trying to you know, basically get more profits. But that's not the case, right? The shrinkflation is a direct result of the failed policies out of D.C. from Biden, Congress, and the Fed. When you've got so much money sloshing around chasing too few goods, this is what you get, more inflation. And when businesses can't seem to raise their prices on the shelf because of they're sticky and they, don't, they can't raise them as fast, then they'll put less in the product that you're buying. And that is really what shrinkflation's been. So how do you get rid of this? Well, you get rid of it by Congress not spending so much and running up massive deficits that the Fed can then print and put more money in the economy. So it's a failed policy of Biden himself as he's been supporting all of this. In fact, I think if he got everything he wanted, we'd be in worse situation because of all the spending. Look, you've ran up the debt by $7 trillion just in the last three years, just a massive amount of money. And you imagine why we have this inflation because the Fed has printed most of that. So don't miss that. I had an interview on NTD News talking about that very issue that you'll want to you'll check out in the show notes. The other thing that's been going on that is I had a piece out at the American Institute for Economic Research talking about rules, fiscal and monetary rules, over discretion. That provides the best path forward to get our fiscal and economic houses in order. And I noted that in that recent commentary. You don't want to miss it. I go through a lot of the details about what that could look like with a spending limit on the fiscal rule side, of a money growth limit on the monetary side. And I think we need both of those together to really rein in the size and scope of government that's creating a lot of these problems. Speaking of problems, DC is broken. We know that. So what is Hayek? What does Frederick Hayek, the economist, tell us about how to correct it? I explained this in my latest piece at EconLib, basically talking about that, you know, politicians are always going to fail from the knowledge problem. They don't have enough 
knowledge as the marketplace does. And so we need the market and prices to direct resources versus the top-down approach that's out there. And that includes things like trade. We need free trade, immigration. We need better legal immigration routes here in the United States to deal with a whole bunch of issues. But it really comes back to the Hayekian approach of free market capitalism that we need more in America. Remember, that's the best path to prosperity. Speaking of other things that are broken, healthcare, right? Healthcare costs are driving burdens on the federal and household budgets. What can be done about them? Well, I explained that in my latest piece of the Daily Caller, where basically saying, look, employer-sponsored healthcare, that's been a major problem where you had this tax exclusion for that employer-sponsored care. It's been incentivizing that. And, and coverage doesn't equal quality care, timely access to quality care. If it did, we should just expand Medicare to everyone. That would be a disaster. We do not need nationalized healthcare in America. We've already got too many problems from government failures today. We don't need more government failures to compound the problem. We need more market forces so that patients and doctors can have a relationship again instead of so many middlemen in the process. So don't miss that piece as well. What about taxpayer funding of Ukraine, Israel, and other foreign affairs? Looks to be increasing once again, even as audits and funds and extra funds aren't available. We're already running nearly $2 trillion in deficits per year and expected over the next decade. We haven't been able to see where this money is actually going in Ukraine and Israel and other places. We really need to get a handle of our own house before we start doing this to other places. And so I think we've got to start passing sustainable budgets as Americans for Tax Reform has been putting out lately, and I've been working with them on that. Remember, that's atr.org forward slash budget project. But this is a great opportunity to do that instead of running up more deficits and debt. At least have offsets, offsets if they're going to do something. If you're going to increase money over here, let's cut it from somewhere else. I don't know if this is a great idea to be spending that money anyway, but at least that would help out with our fiscal picture. In state news, look, Texas politics are continuing to heat up as the primary election season is here. There's infighting between Republicans, and even more so between the House and the Senate, and just political leaders kind of going after one another. When will they get their act together and return to leading by example in the principles of free market capitalism? Last year was just a bad number of sessions from increasing the budget, not enough in property tax relief, and not getting school choice, and a host of things. And that's why you're seeing all this pressure coming to fruition now. I'm hopeful that there will be some folks who did not support school choice, that wanted to raise the budget and everything else like they did that they will be out of power soon. And we need fewer people wanting that power. We need to get more folks who are in there and exchanging more often, uh, changing out more often instead of staying in there for so long at the state, local, and federal levels, really. And that's what I think will be better off. Um, other news in Texas was the Texas state leader now, export leader for the 21st year in a row in 2023, with 23% of the nation's exports from a state with 10% of US GDP. That really is driven by no personal income tax, a sensible regulatory climate, and usually um, spending restraint, although we didn't see that this past year, which could be indicative of worse things to come for the future if they don't start to write the course. In other updates, I did an interview with John Caldera at the Independence Institute in Colorado this week on sustainable budgeting, which I put out a paper with, the, with them here recently on that. Um, this video that they have should run in about a month. There's a lot of great things that could happen in Colorado. It's ripe for change. And the Independence Institute and John are really working on these issues, and I think they're heading in the right direction. Next week, I'll be in Las Vegas to speak at a conference by Healthcare Administrators Association, along with Sal Nuzo, who was formerly at the James Madison Institute. And we're going to talk about the rising burden of healthcare on the economy and on families. I'll also be speaking at an upcoming healthcare conference by Global Health, where I'll interview Dr. Dean Waldman, a former colleague of mine at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, about the pros and cons of price transparency in healthcare. It's got a lot of support for it, but at the same time, 
I don't know that it's going to be the long-term solution because the solution to that is getting government out of the way. Whether they want to reveal prices or not, there's all these reimbursement rates that don't really tell you much. We really need to let markets work to determine those prices instead. Don't miss this week's Left Field Prosper episode with Dr. Michael Strain of American Inst Enterprise Institute on the national debt crisis, Trumpism, and why the American dream isn't dead, though populism might kill it here pretty soon. It was a great discussion. Don't miss that one. Don't miss the upcoming Let People Prosper episode on Monday with Dr. Sven Larson on how Europe compares with the United States in many areas and what should be done to avoid the malaise in Europe here in America. You don't want to miss that one either. The quote of the week is by Milton Friedman, my favorite economist. A society that puts equality before freedom will get neither. A society that puts freedom before equality will get a high degree of both. We would be wise to remember those words because they are so true. The Bible verse of the week is love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 5, 43 through 44. It'd be good for us to remember this as we get into all these discussions and debates about economics and politics to know really where is our source of information come from? It comes from God. And so we should be able to keep that going. So until next time, I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll share it with your friends and family. And don't forget to check out the show notes page at vanskin.substack.com. Until next time, let people prosper. Thank you.